0: Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. The word last is the word eschatos. Eschatos is a Greek word. It means the last or the end. And so, we have a study called eschatology, which is a study of the end times. And we know that people have been studying the end time events for, for ages. I know when I first was a believer, we had a man to come, and he had all of these charts of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and Ezekiel, you know, and had pictures of weird-looking leopards and lions and you know, had horns and had faces of people and all those things, which are kind of, you know, symbolic of, of what daniel and john saw in the book of books of daniel and revelation and what ezekiel saw with a wheel within a wheel and and all the things that you know we try to portray these things with a mental image of what it must have looked like to the prophets and that's okay and we and and we try to measure the times and and according to those that i heard in those days in, in according to their eschatological calendar we shouldn't be here right now which leads me up to another thing That we will see in just a moment that was stated concerning the last days. Now, are we living in the last days? Absolutely. When did the last days begin? When Jesus accomplished the plan of redemption on the cross. And when he says it is finished. The clock started ticking toward the last days. And we are living in those last days. And then on the day of Pentecost, remember, when, when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, and the disciples were in the upper room, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And people outside heard what was going on, and they were amazed because they heard people that were Parthians and Scythians and, 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 and other Greek dialects and all. They heard the, the apostles speaking in their languages. And though they realized that they were unlearned men, that they didn't know how to do this, they wondered what was going on. And some even began to suggest that they were drunk. And Peter stands up and he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was promised by the prophet Joel that in the... Last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall dream, shall shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams and upon my handmaidens and servants I will pour out of my spirit. And, and, you know, he, he tells all of these things that will be happening in the last days and he identified that moment as the last days. Now, why was the Holy Spirit given in the last days? To give us the ability and the power to do what God has called us to do, to set things up. You and I are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus said that, that the, uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force... What he was saying is that we have to forcefully advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, we have to have the spiritual military equipment inside of us to do it. He didn't put a sword in our hand. He put it in our heart. He gave us the sword of the spirit. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish what he said he would do. And he said, when all these things are done, then shall the end come. So Jesus has set things in motion and we're living in those days of eschatos. We're living in those last days. Now, I'm not going to do an in-depth study on, on eschatology today, but I just wanted to point out several things to you. Now, Paul used a phrase with Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verses 1 and 2. And he said this, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, or in eschatos, in the last days, he said, some will fall away from the truth. Would you say that maybe we're living in the last days? When some have fallen away from the truth, the word there is apostasy or becoming apostate. What does it mean to be an apostate? It means to to not believe something that you want adhered to and believed in. Many people have left the church today because they've seen the the void of power. They've seen the void of passion. They've seen the hypocrisy. And they've seen all of these things. The number one reason people don't go to church that they will give you is what? I don't want to go there with all of those. Have we earned the title? Unfortunately, we have. Because they've seen of people that have said one thing and done another. Espoused one lifestyle and lived another. And it's a watering down of the word. And the Bible says in the book of Second Thessalonians that in those days he will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. What does it mean to be deluded? To have a convoluted thinking. To have a mixed up thinking that, that we don't know what truth is. And that's where so many are today. They don't know what truth is. They haven't been preached the truth. They don't know what it is. They, they don't know what they believe. And it's important that we have a strong foundation that we know what it is that we believe. That's why we have the Purple Book Study. To help you with the foundations of the faith so that you have a strong foundation underneath you. That you know where you stand as a believer. You know. You know because you know because you know because God's word says so. And you base your beliefs, you base your understanding of God upon what he says in the scriptures. The Bible is the inerrant word of God. Thy word is forever settled in the heavens, O Lord. It hasn't changed. It won't change. It never will. It never has. So get over it. These, these, I call them goobers. They get on TV with their clerical collars and their doctrinal degrees. I call them demonic degrees because that's what they are. And they begin to say, well, we have evolved as a people. And just maybe the scriptures are not inerrant. And they begin to point out things that, that would make you believe That the scriptures are in error. That it was written by many men over periods of many, many, many years. And how could something that way be done that would be absolute truth? But it is absolute truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And John said of Jesus in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How much clearer can it be? His Word and God are one and the same. They cannot be separated. So when we, when we doubt the Word of God, we are indeed doubting God Himself. How are we deceived? You know, the thing about deception is that it's, de- it's deceptive. It's deceptive. The enemy will give us a half-truth mixed up with a lie so that we don't know what real truth is. And that's what the world has done. Some of the cemetery—I mean seminaries that, that some of the pastors are coming out of today, and, and, and they, are, they are teaching these learned people. They're full of knowledge, but no truth. Knowledge of man, man's knowledge, but not the knowledge of God. Not the rema of God. They haven't sought the Lord. They haven't, the, all they have done is gone and gotten a professional degree so that they can, can stand in a big pulpit somewhere and preach to people with itching ears who just want to be tickled. Just give it to me. It'll make me laugh. It'll make me feel good when I come to church. And I'll keep coming back because I love it. I love to go to that church because, man, they got the most awesome worship team. And, and the preacher makes me laugh. You know, all you got to do is look at me and laugh. That's it. (laughs) But I'm not here to tickle your funny bone. I'm here to give you truth that will change your life and help you be ready. Because when I stand before God to be judged, I will receive greater condemnation than you because God has given me the calling of a pastor teacher. And I have to give an account for every word that I've spoken out of my mouth in the ears of the hearers that God has placed under me. I consider that to be very, 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 very heavy to deal with. Because the Bible says that I'm I'm responsible for you. I have to give an account on the day of judgment. And Paul says this to Timothy. He says, But, in the, last, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the truth, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, seared in their own conscience with a branding iron. And I'm positive that we're seeing this right now. Many are turning away from the principles of the faith that they believed in all of their lives and have been taught from birth. The things that they now espouse are so contrary to Scripture and sound doctrinal teaching and are laced with pure lies of the enemy. And you you can ask me, well, well, how can this be? It's it's like a a downward spiral. and This is how it begins. Academia. The things that we have been taught. I was talking to some friends just the other day and Lynn was with me and we were visiting on Hatteras Island and this young man had gone to seminary. And he put something on Facebook, and, and he was talking about Easter. He said, I'm so glad that we are past this, this, this holiday of this mythical character rising from a mythical grave. And I'm thinking, my God. And he has espoused this idea that, that the Bible is a falsity and that everything in it is a falsity. Because he went away searching for truth and he comes back believing a lie. And, and, and so many are believing a lie. But let me just take you to what Paul says about that in the book of Romans. Because he's talking about the wrath of God being apportioned to all men. And without Christ, positionally, until we're born again, this is where we sit. We are in a position of God's wrath which shall be poured out against all ungodliness. Let me take you there. Okay, this is what Paul says. Because in the book of Romans, you see a book written about grace. It doesn't begin with grace. It begins with the penalty. It begins with the wrath of God. It begins with the position that we are without Christ. And this is what he says. In verse 18, he says, For the, God, for, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Would you say that we have a suppression of the truth these days? Are we speaking truth? Are we kind of doctoring it up a little bit? You know, to make it more palatable. Because that which is, which we, which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Nature teaches us, right? For since the creation... now here it is. In order for us to deny the creator, we must first deny the creation. And in order for us to deny the creation, we must deny the creator. And this is what academia has done. We have come up with a theory. We call it evolution, where we have evolved. And now a lot of the pastors are using that very word when they speak of where the church is today, we have evolved in our thinking. We've become more tolerant as a society. So that, you know, we don't dare challenge anyone about their lifestyle, the way they're living. We don't challenge anyone about their adultery. We don't challenge them about their drunkenness. We don't ch- challenge them about, you know, uh, their, their spousal abuse, their, their the abuse of their children. Now, if you abuse an animal, that's a different story. We're all over you like a duck on a june bug. If you kill a baby, that's no problem. But don't you dare kill an endangered species. <laughs> the most dangerous species, the most endangered species right now is the baby within the womb. And it has no choice as to what's going to happen. And I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Amen. There has to be a denial of the creator, then a denial of his creation. We call this evolution, which is a doctrine of demons. And it goes on to say his invisible attributes, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became Futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. How is the fool described in the Bible? Proverbs 14:1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The reason we say there is no God, because if we can displace God, we can replace Him with ourselves. They became fools. And exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. The doctrine of humanism. Which places humans above God. And says we are responsible for our own fate. The corruptible man and the birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And that's what I would define as extremism of animal rights activists and Wiccans who worship nature which is witchcraft. Therefore, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. Here it is. For they changed the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. For this reason, everybody say for this reason. God gave them over. God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. We've been studying in our, our, our men's Bible study on, on Saturday mornings. The purpose and the power of men. Understanding the purpose and the power of men. Understanding why we were created the way we were created. And, and when God created man, it says he created man in his image, and in his image created he them, male and female. So when we speak of mankind, we speak of, of, of male and female, but God made male and female for natural progression. He made them for natural purposes. Amen. Can you say amen and thank God for that? Amen. Because if he didn't, none of us would be here. Poor Adam would be stuck back there with an ape. And it just ain't going to work. You know? Could you see him now? Dear, did you make supper? <laughs> that means I brought you a banana. But I'm tired of bananas. <laughs> I'll go get you a cantaloupe. I'm sick of that too. But that's all I know how to cook. <laughs> Dear, I wish you would do something with that hair. Don't you talk to me that way? I could just see it. I mean, that was that would have been the best he could do because God, of all the things He had created, suddenly realized that it was not good for man to be alone, and so He brought all the animals before Adam and says, "Find you one. It's your choice. Pick and choose." And amongst all of them, and I'm so thankful that Adam was picky. There was not a suitable helper found. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then God in his wonderful mercy and creative powers caused Adam to fall into his sleep. And out of his side, he took a rib, which the word rib means supporter. He took a supporter out of Adam and he fashioned with his own hands. Isn't it amazing? It's, you know, he wonderfully fashioned a woman. He took time with her. Adam was just like. (sniffs) 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 But with woman, it was like. (sniffs) (sniffs) And when Adam woke up from his sleep and he saw her, he said, whoa, man. (sniffs) (sniffs) I love it. I will call her woman because she was taken out of me. And God did that and created a help meet for Adam. See, God knows best. And he created them with natural function. You know, I was telling the guys, I said, it's almost like a, a, a male plug and a female plug. They don't work until they're connected. You don't get nothing out of them. And that's the way it is with, with creation. God knew what he was doing. And isn't it interesting that of all the manipulation of the species that you can take a horse and you can breed it with a donkey and all oh, you get a mule but it can't breed? That's as far as it goes. You can take a lion and, and, and breed it with a tiger genetically and, and you create this genetic being. But what do they call those things? A liger. But they can't breed. They can't go any farther. God knew exactly what he was doing and so when you put a man and a man with a man and a woman with a woman guess what the species is not going to be here very long if we keep going in that direction we will destroy ourselves but God's not going to let that happen so here's where it goes For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way also, men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Here's that word again. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper being filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness and greed, full of envy and evil, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that the very people that are calling Christians haters are the worst haters? They hate Christians to the degree that they wish them to die, they would kill them. I mean, they blatantly say, you know, death to Christians, death to Christianity, death to those those God lovers or whatever you want to call it, but they hate God. They're insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, um, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who do them. Wow. I mean, when I was a little boy, I could not have even imagined the shape of our society today. That we would be even having to deal with whether a woman woman's bathroom should be open to those who are messed up in their heads and can't figure out whether they're a man or a woman. I just and I'm not wanted to address political things, but this is just where we are with it as a society. We've seen children being abused. We, we could say, well, children were always abused. Yeah, but when they did, there were repercussions for it. Severe. And and so, you know, we, we see all these things happening and, and we see the degeneration of our society and where it's going. But God is not caught unaware. And neither should we be. Understand the times. There's one group of people that were descendants of Israel that understood the times and knew what to do. We need to be that same way. That we ought to be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times. They knew what to do. And we should know the times that we're in. And that's why I wanted to bring this message to you today so that you can understand where we are. I hope you do. I hope you're not blind enough that you've put the blinders on and you say, "Well, this we, this can't be." I mean, we need to be tolerant and accepting of people. We we need to accept people of all genders and everything else. Listen to me. I am not a bigot and I'm not a racist. I'm not any of those things. But when we defy the word of God and we make choices of our own volition, those are choices. And you might say to me, well, you know, some people were born that way. Let me tell you something. We were all born that way. It's called the sin nature. It's called the, new, the nature of sin. We, we are disobedient against God. We were born that way. Every one of us. Every one of us have the propensity. We have the, the nature that we can commit murder. Jesus said, if you, with your mouth, with your heart, murder somebody you might as well just went ahead and killed them as far as the law is concerned if you look upon a woman and have adultery in your heart toward that woman or a man as if you're whatever then you've already committed adultery with that person jesus said it's matters of the heart that's where it really begins every one of us have a propensity for sin and we can go in any direction we choose to go but it's our choice You can choose to hate, you can choose to love, you can choose to do whatever you want. You can choose who you love. That's your choice. But does that make it right? No. Because God has established boundaries. And he says, when you step outside of these boundaries, you have committed what is called iniquity. You have willfully, deliberately sinned against God, knowing what the truth says, but choosing to believe a lie, you stepped out of bounds. That makes you guilty before God. You will answer to him for that, not to me. So don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you, I'm just a messenger boy. Don't shoot the messenger. Take it up with God, because this is what God's word says. Now, I'm going to take you a little bit farther. Paul was speaking of past generations who were destroyed in Romans chapter 1 because of their sinfulness and rejection of God. And I want to ask you the question, are we any better? Is God a just God? He's no respecter of persons. Are we any better than those generations who sinned against God and they, they received the recompense of their sins? I can think of generations like Israel who suffered, who, who rebelled against God and, and once they were an expansive nation, they're shrunken down to a little tiny blob of land in the Middle East because of their sinfulness and the rejection of God. I can think of the Roman Empire, which once ruled the, all the world that they knew. And because of sinfulness and homosexuality and because of the degradation and the worship of, of demons, they, they were shrunken down and defeated and are no more. All that's left are the ruins of what once was Rome and what once was the Roman Empire. And we can see a generation after generation. We can see kingdom after kingdom that has fallen. That, that, that once maybe they were great because they honored God and they are shrunken down to nothing these days. Paul was speaking about the wrath of God being revealed against those who were under the law. Another question I want to ask you as a church today. We speak of grace. We speak of grace. And I am thankful for the grace of God. weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. It was by His grace that I was found, that He touched me with His grace, that He saved me. And I'm thankful for that. But are we, since we are under grace, we are under a more serious judgment if we reject the grace of God than if we reject the law of God. Think about that. How do I know that? Because of what the Word says. I'm going to take you to it right now in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. If you want to turn there with me. The writer of Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the habit is of some, but encouraging one another. And everybody say this with me. And all the more, say it with me, all the more as you see the day approaching, that day. As you see the day approaching, as you see it drawing near. In verse 26 says, "For if we go on sinning, that is habitually willfully sinning, practicing sin after receiving the knowledge of truth, there remain there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will devour the adversaries or the enemies of God." Verse 28 Anyone who sets aside the, the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Verse 29, say it with me. How much sore punishment do you think he will deserve who was trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and insulted the Spirit of grace? It's an insult to the Spirit of grace. For us to deliberately go on sinning when we know the price that it was paid for us to be saved, to be forgiven, to be cleansed. We trample underfoot the grace of God when we do that. We say it has no value, it has no power. And that's exactly what Paul was talking about. Those in the last days that would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. What power? The power to live a life of faith and godliness before God. We work hard on keeping our bodies in shape. We're right behind a gym. I see the activity over there. I wish we could get all those folks in there to put as much emphasis on their spiritual life as they put on their physical life. Because if you go over there now, it's probably full. But Paul said to Timothy, he says that bodily exercise profits a little. And I'm not demeaning the profit of bodily ex- I believe in it. I believe everybody ought to keep yourself in as good shape as you possibly can. Which is hypocritical of me to say because I brought donuts this morning. <laughs> I'm trying to keep you well-rounded Christians. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Next week you're getting broccoli. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but Paul goes on to say, his bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. Seeking to be like him, more like Jesus, less like the world. And that's what we should seek for. That's what we should strive for. And we are indeed living in the last days. I got just a couple more scriptures to share with you. Second Peter chapter 3, and I want to speed it up a little bit. And we're living in these, these what I've been talking about, we're living in that day. Peter writes in 2 Peter 3 3, uh, through 9, he says, know this, first of all, that in the last days, y'all say in the last days, days. you with me, right? Mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, and how many have ever heard this? Where is the promise of his coming? I mean, I've heard this all my life. When's Jesus coming back? Forever since the fathers, fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation or in the life today since the beginning of the evolution of man. I put that in there. That's emphasis mine. For they maintain this. It escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth, by his word, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack or slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing or not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And then Jude follows it up. Jude was a a student of the apostles. He was the brother of Jesus. He was one who didn't even believe in Jesus until he saw Jesus died, buried, resurrected. Then he believed. Then he became a student and a follower of Jesus at that time. It was was one of Jesus' half-brothers, I guess we'd call him half, because Jesus' father was the Holy Spirit. But he was the son of Joseph and Mary, therefore. But, But he says this. He says, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, say it with me, in the last time, in the eschatos. There will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Now we go back to my favorite last day scripture that was spoken of by Joel. And was re-emphasized by Peter on the day of Pentecost. Acts two seventeen through 21. And it says, and it shall be in the last days. Say, in the last days. The last days. Now, we're living in the last days, right? Yep. In the last days. God says that I will pour forth my spirit upon mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even my bond slaves, both men and women, I will pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. This is the promise of the Father for generations to come. It is for us today. If we ever needed anything, we need another dose of the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul tells us in in Ephesians chapter 5, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled constantly with the Holy Spirit of God so that we can do the things, we can be the people that God has called us to be, realizing we're in the last days. Are you ready? Should the trumpet sound? Are you ready? Should Christ ascend from heaven with a shout? Are you ready for that moment? Because it's going to come. And Paul says it's going to come like this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said it's going to come in a moment. Everybody look around at your brother and your sister. Do you see the twinkle in their eye? Do you see it? That's how quick it's going to be because you didn't even see it. You didn't even see it. It's going to happen before you even know it. It's going to be so sudden that it's going to happen. And we won't have time to get ourselves ready if we're not ready. So the admonition of the saints, of of the apostles, was to be ready always. Be ready always. Be watching, be vigilant, be sober, be ready. Keep yourselves ready for the coming of the Lord because it is coming and we're living in those last days. I mean, folks, it could not be any clearer than this. And I hope you don't doubt my word. I hope you don't doubt the word of God about this. We're living in the last days and I just feel compelled to tell you this, to plead with you to be right with God every moment of your life, to live every second of your life ready, waiting for the promise of the Father to be revealed because it's coming sooner than you think. Sooner than you think. Do you think all of these things that are happening in the world are being manipulated by man? It's a part of the world system. Yes, it is. But did God not know about it? Was it not prophesied that it would be? And it is and it's happening right under our noses, can we stop it? No. Will the politics of today change it? No. It doesn't matter who we put in office. It does not matter one bit because the powers that be are ordained of God. They're not ordained of us. We don't put people in office. God does. Is he who exalts? Is he who brings down? Just as, as Nebuchadnezzar stood up on his palace and he was boasting about his kingdom, and God reminded him of who he was I'm God, you're Nebuchadnezzar. You think you rule this, you don't. I'm the one who exalts, I'm the one who brings down. And this very day, tomorrow, at this time, you shall be eating grass in the field. And he was. God knows. And man can boast all he wants and he can, he can talk about all the great things he's done and how great we are and all those things. But God is greater. Yes. My admonition to you today, and I plead with you, I plead with you, be ready. Cleanse your hearts. Cleanse your minds. If you're doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, repent. Get right with God. Turn. Turn. Turn away from your sin. Go passionately. Go hard after him. Get away from the things of the world that would cause deceit and and deceitfulness in your heart and the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to it. Listen to the truth of God's word because it is the only thing that is enduring. It's the only thing that's going to last. And that will be the thing that you will be judged by. What did you do with the truth of my word? You heard it. How did you respond? Today is a very important day in your lives. I've told you the truth of God's Word. i poured it out to you as plainly as I know how to spell it out. We're living in the last days. You get it? Yep. You understand that? Yes. And if you don't believe it, too bad. It's still the truth. It doesn't change anything. Amen. It's still the truth. Because God said it. That's how I know it's the truth. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Whether I believe it or not, that settles it. Because God said it. Now, here's the thing. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Next question. Where are you in relation to what I've spoken this morning? Where is your life? Are you feeling conviction? I didn't come to bring condemnation. That's not my responsibility. The responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. Is that what, not what it says in John chapter 16? Yes. He will come and he will convict us. So he's come to convict us of our sins. So if we're living in sin, if we, and, and what is sin? Transgression of the law of God. If we know that we're living in anything that is, is, in, is an affront to his word, then we got to deal with it right now. And the way we deal with it is either say yes to God or no to him. Because if we say no to God, we say yes to the enemy. And the enemy of our soul loves it when we say no to God. We don't have to say yes to him because we already have. So when we're confronted with the truth and we don't deal with the truth in our lives and we choose to believe a lie, then we've started that downward spiral of degradation in our own life. Paul said it very clearly in Galatians. He said this. Be not deceived. Everybody say, be not deceived. For God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, he shall also reap. If he sows unto the flesh, He shall reap destruction. destruction. But if he sows into the Spirit, he shall of the Spirit Spirit. reap eternal life. life. Now, what do you want? Eternal Eternal life. You want the Zoe kind of life. You want the kind of life that God promises us. Then if you want the kind of life that God has promised us, Then we have to do what God has told us to do. Mm -hmm. Got to listen to Dr. Jesus because he's got the remedy. And if you follow his remedy, you'll receive what he says you'll receive. Hallelujah. So with that being said right now, close your eyes for just a moment. And I just want you to focus on you. So many times when we preach a message like this, everybody's got their eyes, they're looking around to see who's sinning. (laughs) Who's raising their hand? We're thinking in our mind, you know, I hope that person over there got this. (laughs) When it's we who need to hear it ourselves. I'm speaking to saint and sinner. Because some saints are still Sinners. Because we know that we're not living the way that God wants us to live. We're not making progress in our spiritual journey, and we wonder why. And it seems like everywhere we go, it seems like the, every prayer that we pray hits the ceiling. It seems like we take one step forward and three steps back. And it's because God is dealing with us about a little besetting sin in our life and we refuse to deal with it. When Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, says, laying aside then all these, these besetting sins and these hindrances that so easily beset us, let us cast them off and run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So with those little things that we've got in our lives, little things that we know that we should be doing, I'm talking about sins of, of commission and sins of omission. Some things we omit in our life that God has been dealing with us about and we refuse to do it. We refuse to discipline ourselves. We refuse to discipline ourselves to read the word for ourselves. We want somebody else to do it for us. We refuse to pray. We'll call somebody else to pray for us. But we won't do it ourselves because we're undisciplined. And God is saying to you, discipline yourselves. Discipline yourselves. Train yourselves in righteousness. Do the work yourself and you'll reap the benefit. Because when we begin to pray, we begin to seek the Lord, we begin to study the Word, then we begin to progress forward. Because as we study and as we pray and as we begin to do it, then we realize, hey, this works. We begin to grow in the the stature and the mind of Christ, which is what He's after. So I want to encourage you with that today. Because we're living in the last days. Folks, time is short. I don't have time. I don't have time to just coddle you and pat you on the back and tell you how wonderful you are. I don't have time for that. You are wonderful, and I love you, and you are beautiful. You're beautiful in God's eyes. You're so beautiful, in fact, that Jesus paid an awful price for you. Therefore, you ought to glorify God in your bodies, which is the Lord's. So if there are things you're doing to your body which you know you should not be doing, and you're, you're doing harm to the temple of the Holy Spirit, then God is convicting you right now. I know He is because His Word does, just does that. And God wants to help you overcome those things in your life that are causing you difficulty and harm in your body and in your spiritual life. So what we're going to do right now... You've been listening to Destiny City Church a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.